Our scripture reading is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bernice. Let's pray. Uh, God in heaven, uh, this is your word that you uh, gave to uh, Christians um, a long time ago in a faraway place, and yet uh, what you spoke to them in the midst of the situation that they were in is just as relevant for us today. Uh, We need to hear today what it means for us uh, to walk as your people, to walk in the light uh, and the light that you have uh, created us to be. Uh, and so help us as we spend time looking at these verses uh, and as we consider what they mean for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week we were uh, talking about, we j- jumped into this uh, new series on uh, the first letter to, uh, of John, and we ended the sermon talking about the idea of fellowship. Uh, and what I said there was that fellowship is this uh, multidimensional, multicultural, missional participation. Uh, that fellowship is the thing that really John is kind of focusing. That's the entry point to the letter because there's this group of, uh, of uh, false teachers that are coming into these churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, uh, and are spreading all kinds of false teaching. And so John is writing in order to help these churches uh, understand how they need to be rooted in what the apostles and those women and men who are eyewitnesses to the teaching of Jesus, the message that they had been sharing and talking about and was written uh, by those who write the letters and, and books of the New Testament. Uh, and so John says there, he says, uh, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, so fellowship is this kind of beginning point of the letter. Uh, and actually, some have even said it's probably not a letter. It's actually more than likely a sermon that was meant to be preached at all of these different churches in order to give this teaching out there for people to be able to have. Uh, So it's multidimensional, right? Because it is both vertical and horizontal. What John is saying is that, uh, that he says, hey, we want you to have fellowship with us 
that is, those who were eyewitnesses to the events of Jesus, but their fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And so there's a, both a, a vertical and a horizontal aspect to this fellowship, this, this joint participation that we're to have. We have it with God, and having it with God is the entry point, but once you're in, it's really hard to tease out uh, what's the primary. Is it the primary relationship with others or with God? The answer is yes. Uh, then we said that it is, because it's got this horizontal dimension, we said that uh, the fellowship that we have is therefore multicultural, right? Because God brings together people of different languages, ethnicities, cultures, socioeconomic standings, political identifications, geographic uh, regions of the world that you're part of, gender, generation, and the list goes on and on. Right? And so you bring all these people who share things in common and yet have differences, uh, and you bring them together, and God is saying that what G, or excuse me, John is saying that what God has done is he's bringing us together in order to create something amazing, something beautiful. Uh, I quoted last week uh, Esau McCulley from his book, Reading While Black, where he says on this particular passage, he says, God sees the creation of a communion a community of different cultures united by faith in a son as a manifestation of the expansive nature of his grace. That last phrase to me just like screams of just how beautiful God is. He wants us to experience the expansive nature of his grace and we need one another to be able to experience that. We need Jesus, but we need one another to be able to experience that. And then John said, I'm writing these things to you so that you will have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father. So there's a missional component to this fellowship that we talked about last week. Uh, the missional component is that it's something that we have to fight for, something that we have to pursue. It's something that we have to bring those who are not already in fellowship with God and with us. Uh, we go out in order to let them know about the good news of what Jesus has done so that they can be in that fellowship. But it is also, in this particular situation, uh, the letters being written to people who are already in fellowship. Right? They, they already have believed in Jesus. And so we also learn that we have to fight for maintaining fellowship with one another. Right? And that's important because the reality is that we live in, a, just as in John's world, in our world today, right, there are divisions that have come into the church. There are divisions about politics. There's division about race. There's division about all kinds of things. Right? And the reality is that those divisions are working to, to erode the fellowship that God has uh, established, that God has created. All right, so that's all the background from last week. And the reason we did that review is because as we jump in today, the idea of fellowship is still central to what it is that John is talking about. John is telling us that, um, that God is light and that creates a problem for us because we are not light. Uh, at least not initially. Uh, and then the problem is that we have all of these ways in which we deny the problem. Like we, we have these strategies for denying the problem of sin, but God has a solution uh, woven throughout this passage in order to deal with the problem. So our three points today are the problem of sin, human strategies to deny the problem of sin, and God's solution to the problem of sin. That's what we're going to look at today. So John starts off with this. He says, the message we have heard from the beginning and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This, is, this should like, you know, have little hyperlinks 
buzzing going off in your ear. You remember what Jesus himself said, right? I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the theme of light, specifically the theme of God as light, is found all over the Bible. Uh, it's found in the Old Testament. In Psalm 4.6, we read, let the light of your face shine on us. Uh, in Psalm 104, we read, Lord, the Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. In the New Testament, uh, you know, uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We have uh, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. We have 1 Timothy 6, God, the blessed only ruler, King of kings, Lord of lords, who is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. Right? So this is, a, this is a theme that runs from Genesis, in the beginning God created light, all the way to the book of Revelation where we read that there is no darkness in the new heavens and the new earth and that God is the light of the new heavens and the new earth. So the theme of light speaks to protection. It speaks to provision. It speaks to God's glory. It speaks to God's love. And it also speaks to God driving darkness away. Uh, this past week, I think it was this past week, my, fam my kids and I were in the back room, we're watching TV, and we heard a noise outside. And you're like, what is that noise? And everybody's like, oh, is it in the walls? Is it not on the walls? Is it outside? Uh, and so I was like, all right, I'm gonna go outside. And I, and I, you know, it was dark. So I took a flashlight with me. There was nothing there. But it is amazing when it is dark what a flashlight can do, right? The darkness goes away. Uh, and so when it says that God is light, the implication here is that the darkness is supposed to go away. That God is light. But here's the thing, right? It's not just that God is light. When a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they are transformed. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, you are all children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. Like, so, like, understand, like, what, what, what John, what Paul, what the authors of the New Testament are teaching you is that faith in Christ is a, a movement where we go from being in darkness and walking in darkness to being light and walking in light, right? That there's this shift that happens. It's like a, a complete changing of who we are. Very similar to what we saw before a few weeks ago in, in the book of Romans where Paul talked about um, how our minds are set on heavenly things, right? But here's the problem. Here's the tension, uh, that we saw back in Romans 8, and we're seeing it again here. Uh, God is light, in him is no darkness at all, but we have these propensities to go down shady paths. Right? We have these propensities to deny the problem of sin. It says our second point, right? And John in particular says that there's two ways that we, uh, two strategies that we employ in order to deny or minimize the problem of sin. The first is that we deny the effects of sin. Uh, so he says in John 1.6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Uh, in other words, uh, if, you, if you believe that you can live however you want Monday through Saturday, 
and that has no effect on what happens here on Sunday morning, the only person you're deceiving is yourself, right? The way, the things that we consume, the media that we consume, TVs, books, the places that we go, the patterns of life, the idea of walking is talking about a pattern of life, right? It's about the the habitual ways in which we live our life. And what John is saying is consistent with the teaching of the entirety of the scripture Right? The way that you live your life affects your relationship with God. And so if you claim to be in the light, if you claim to follow Jesus, and Paul says that you have become light, then you can't walk in darkness. And if you walk in darkness, you're lying to yourself. But you're not just lying to yourself, right? You're also not living in the truth. Truth for us, probably, if you think about truth, you probably think of like cognitive, Right? I believe the truth. I know the truth. But for John and for a Hebrew mind uh, in the ancient world, truth is not just something that you uh, intellectually ascend to. Truth is something that you live. Uh, Truth is something that shapes the way that you live your life. Uh, Karen Jobes, I quoted her last week in her commentary on 1 John, writes this. She says, to do the truth means to live in accordance with God's definition of truth in all our words and decisions. And if we're not walking in the truth, if I'm sorry, if we're not walking in the light and living in the truth, we're lying. But who are we lying to? Well, partly we're lying to ourselves. John's going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want to make another suggestion to you. Um, I want to suggest to you that we're lying to those outside of this fellowship that we're trying to bring into the fellowship, right? Uh, think about um, if, you, you know, if you're a podcast listener, book reader, and kind of Christian things, there's, there's been a recent uptick in the conversation in several podcasts that I kind of monitor uh, about the, the de-churching of America, right? That, that what you had is um, this was already happening before COVID, but that COVID and George Floyd and all of the racial tensions that emerged out of that and the election of President Trump and then the second election and the contestion and, uh, and the insurrection on January 6th, all of these things, uh, and sadly, the way that, that the Christians have positioned themselves in some respects in some of these things have led people to see really ungodly characteristics, regardless of how you land on some of these things, ungodliness in the way that people speak, in the way that people behave themselves. Uh, And what it's saying is like, I can do whatever I want, but I can worship Jesus. I can speak with vitriol, but I love Jesus. And what's happened is that the fellowship that we communicate is not the fellowship that Jesus has invited us into. We walk in darkness and yet say, oh no, but I'm in the light. And what ends up happening is that people outside of the church are looking in and they're saying, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, And so the lie that we create is we lie about the nature of the fellowship that Jesus has invited us into. And that's that's horrible and sad and it's, it's it's a... uh, a sad testament to, to some of the tensions that the church in the United States is having to deal with right now. And it's why lots of people are walking away from Christianity. Now, that's not the only thing that John says. John also says 
that we deny the existence of sin in our own lives. We don't only deny its effects, but we also deny its existence. So he says in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And he says there probably, kind of most people tend to think that there is uh, this idea that once you become a Christian, that you're not, uh, you're able either to become perfect or that your sins are not as big of a deal anymore. And then in verse 10, he says, uh, if we claim to have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And there people think probably what he's talking about is, uh, you, know, you know this, right? Where like you, you do something and you minimize it. You, we can get really upset when somebody does something that we think like is wrong. And yet when we do it, we can minimize it, justify it, rationalize it. And that's probably what verse 10 is referring to that we minimize particular sins, that we deny particular things that we do. And it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, If you look, right, if you look at at verse 6, verse 8, verse 10, what you see is that in each of these instances, there's a deception, right? We're lying to others. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying. We're saying that God is a liar. Like, that's a big deal, right? And that is, in effect, that's not walking in the truth. You see the distinction? You see the contrast he's making? He's saying live in the truth, and yet if you deny sin, if you deny the effects of sin, if you deny the existence of sin, you're not walking, you're not living in the truth, you're living in lie. And God has nothing to do with lies because he's the God of truth. Uh, and, so, uh, and so what do we do with this, right? The reality is then that we, we all have this capability of, even though we've been made into light, we all have this capability of going paths that are shady. We go down paths that have darkness to them. And so what does that mean? What that means is that we need one another. The fellowship that we have, that missional fellowship, that multidimensional, multicultural fellowship that we have, that fellowship is one of the safeguards that God puts around us in order to be able to say, hey, be careful, right? So what that means is that we all need people in our lives who are, are close enough to us that we've given permission to come and say, hey, when I'm doing things that are dumb, when I'm doing things that are ungodly, when I'm doing things that make the name of Jesus not beautiful, I need you to come to me and help me see that. And the reality is like those relationships are hard to get. They're hard to keep. Um, and, and it takes a lot of intentionality. But, like, that's the kind of church we have to be. We have to be a church that is striving and moving in that direction. Um, and so whether you're in a small group or Bible study or just, like, different people that you connect with in the life of the church, uh, my encouragement to all of us, and I include myself in this, my encouragement to all of us is that we need to have people in our lives that, that have the ability to say, hey, that's not the way of Jesus, right? You're, we're blinding ourselves. We need one another. All right, so what have we saw? We saw that we've got um, uh, the problem, right, is that God is light and we have this propensity to walk in darkness. The, the, the problem is exacerbated by the fact that we deny the problem, but thankfully, God has a solution. 
What's the solution? It's actually been woven throughout the entire passage, right? So that uh, verse 7, John writes, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Verse 9, he writes, God is faithful to forgive. But where I want to land with us is chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So the entire passage has got the gospel woven into it. But look at with me at chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Take that word, superimpose upon it the word paraclete. We have a paraclete with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, So if you were with us three weeks ago, I think it was, four weeks ago, we looked at John 14 when we're looking at a Holy Spirit. And there we talked about what this word paraclete means, right? And if you remember, I said that the word paraclete shows up, I think, five times. Uh, Four of them are in the Gospel of John and one time in this particular passage. Uh, And in John, we're told that the Holy Spirit is the other paraclete. And in 1 John, we're told that Jesus is the paraclete. So, So Jesus and Holy Spirit... Uh, function in this role that's called paraclete. And the paraclete is someone who has the resources, the ability to come alongside you and is uniquely capable, uniquely suited to provide you what you need. How is Jesus your paraclete? Jesus is your paraclete by being your redeemer. Jesus is your paraclete because he is the one who by his blood has made it possible for you to be brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Jesus went into the darkness so that in the darkness he could bring you out into the light. That is how Jesus is your paraclete. And so we not only need one another to be able to walk in the light, but we need Jesus. Right? We need Jesus to do the transformation in our hearts to be able to help us and transform us. So, that would, so it's not just that we're walking in the light. It's that, remember what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, you are light, you are children of the light. Like that's what Jesus has done for you. And so therefore, fighting for that fellowship is really important because what we're fighting for is something beautiful that Jesus has created. And here's the thing. Jesus knows. Look at I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin. Right? Jesus is aware of the fact, John is aware of the fact that you and I even though we have been made light, even though we are called to walk in the light, is aware of the fact that that's hard for us. And so what does he do? He provides not one, but two paracletes. Jesus himself and then Holy Spirit. So that you have the ability, not in our own strength, so we have the ability, not in our own strength, but to be this community of light that Jesus has created us to be. 
So you see, like, we need one another to walk in light. San Diego is a dark place, right? We just talked about foster care. We talked about homelessness. We talked about human trafficking. We talked about, like, the atrocities that are happening at the border that are causing people to come into our country. San Diego is a dark place, right? It needs light. It has light, right? Because there are people like you and I who follow Jesus. There are churches who follow Jesus and are are placed here by Jesus to be that light. Uh, And so let's be the light that God has called us to be. Not in our own strength, not for our own glory, but in the strength that Jesus, our paraclete, provides and the strength that Holy Spirit, our paraclete, provides and for their glory. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, gracious God, we thank you that you um, that you have sent your son Jesus to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins and that it's not just that he plucks our sins away but that you transform us. You make us into uh, people of light, children of light, children of the day. Uh, you know that it is easy for us to stray in the paths of darkness. Uh, And so we ask, Lord, that you would please help us to encourage one another, uh, but also to rely on you and your spirit uh, to walk in the light that you have called us to walk in. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.